All right, two planker podcasts. Next guest in the RV. Barkley, how do you even pronounce your last name, bro? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta let the people know the basics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Y Rock, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's Y Rock, not Way Harage. It's not Way Roch. It's Y Rock. Okay. We're here with Barkley Y Rock. Barkley. Barkley. And you'll hear the clay a lot, but if you really want to get down to the roots, it's Clee, not Clay. But you can call me Clay. Yeah. But not Barclay. <laughs> but I won't be mad if you do call me Barclay. Just because I've dealt with that my whole life. Big Air Bark, Baby Bark. Yeah, middle name Brooks. <laughs> um, yes, here I am. Hello, hello. All right, so let's. I'm going to give him some background. Last year we met on the chairlift at Spring Pass. And then this year I pull up to Lolo. Spring at- Pass last year when it was the weather was terrible. Yeah, dude. And then I pull up here, and I'm like, that kid looks kind of familiar. That's funny, because I knew who you were. Because, you know, I'd be, like, keeping tabs on everyone in skiing. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this guy, he's, like, been prepping. He's been making his bed. Oh, I'm yeah, like, you saw yeah, the story. He's like, oh, he's making his bed. He's getting all ready. He's getting hyped up. Well, I'm out here, and then you pulled up. And I was like, all right, let's go. We got two Planker Podcasts in the mix. <laughs> I didn't even know your name, though. Yeah, dude, that's all right. I think, I think, uh... Nico still doesn't. I think he's still calling me two plank. No, no, no. It was actually, it was actually our friend uh, Tuan that didn't know it. He didn't know it. We're on day five, and he still didn't know my name. At breakfast, he still was calling me two planker. Also, shout out Zigzag Cafe. Great spot to eat in uh, this area. If you're ever around the mountain area, go there. We ran into Shaflin. We ran into Alex Martini. If, if you young kids don't know who Alex Martini is. <laughs> do some goddamn research. He uh, did a lot behind the scenes. He like came up with a name. I remember riding the chairlift with him, going to Wendell's, and I was like, yo, what does uh, the 86 mean? Yeah. Because I had no idea. Mm. I just needed to know all these things. And I was a young, stoked kid at camp, and Alex Martini was riding the lift. And I was like, oh, God, he's right there. I got to ask him. So I was like, what's the 86 mean? And then he like continued to explain the whole story and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. That was sick. Well, dude, and we saw KP this morning. And we actually recognized KP before we recognized Shay Flynn. But um, we've been telling that story all day, but it was awesome. Shay Flynn held the door for us. And then Ryan was like, <laughs> looked at Ryan. And then Ryan looked at Shay and was like, yo, what's your name? And he yeah. said, "And he said, yo, my name's, I'm Shay. I'm Shay. That's all he needed to say was Shay. We <laughs> all knew. We saw the beard. By yeah. the way, everyone, he still has the beard. Yeah. And he's shorter than you think. So, Barkley. So, Ethan. You became interesting to me the past couple days because I I, I think you're actually the first person I've ever met that was from Alaska. So, yeah. Yeah, let's get it going. Like what do you want to, what do you want to know? I can give you the weird parts of Alaska, I can give you the cool parts, I can give you the the dirty parts. Uh, crazy spot. Crazy place to grow up. Yep. Yeah, so tell everyone where'd you grow up and then tell everyone uh Barkley childhood a little bit. Yes. Great question. Let's start it off. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So let's see. Grew up in Juneau, uh, southeast region of Alaska, capital. Can't drive in. Can fly in. You can take a ferry in, but you can't drive in, folks. Yeah, that's right. The road just ends. Okay, you can drive forever, and then boom, guess what? The road stops. You got to turn back around. So I was stuck with the same people my whole childhood. Also, like, born at home. I was an at-home baby. That was crazy. Uh, also. I like didn't really know what I want like what I was interested in or anything, but my parents were super supportive and I was the youngest child of my family. 
So yeah, grew up by the ocean. We had Eagle Crest Resort. Shout out Eagle Crest. Shout out to all my dogs at Eagle Crest. Okay. That is a resort on an island, and if anyone doesn't know, and every time someone brings up the Alaska, they say, oh, do you know Alaska? Yes, I do know of Alaska, but Eagle Crest is a very hidden spot that has some amazing great terrain. So, no parks. Well, kind of parks. Yeah. No parks when I was really, like, getting to my, like, high school years but when i was growing up we had a one little area on the strip of the lower mountain and i would watch these guys will geiger was his name he had wore an all neon suit and that was the hardest shit hardest kid i had ever seen bright neon okay i don't know why it was sick but it was sick at the time all right so grew up watching these guys shred the park and like through through all these like huge big mountain tricks so i immediately was like that's fucking sick i, I kind of want to get down with that i only had dina stars at the time my first pair of park skis was in fucking eighth grade. I got a pair of Lion Anthems, purple, lightning bolts. Everyone remembers those. Those are OG skis, purple bases. They were sick. I'll never forget that yeah. feeling. Yeah. But before then, I was just filming myself in my backyard with fucking Dina stars, building little jumps, trying threes, trying fives, trying ones, building little jibs, jibbing my fucking mom's garden boxes. <laughs> so, like... Um, yeah, Juno was interesting. You were around the same people. Uh, let me let me interrupt you really quick. So how did yeah, you? If can you cut like, in here and like yeah, clear yeah. the air here? Yeah, dude. If there's no parks up there and there's no people that at all, other than Alaskans around you, and I don't know a single pro skier from Alaska, how did you even get into park skiing at all? Like, where new schoolers? Are you exposed to the movies, videos? Like, what what was the uh, what was the entry point? Yeah, the the entry point. Good question. Was uh, so like. My older brother was subscribed to Free Skier Magazine. And back at that point, podcasts were not auditory like what we're doing right now. Podcasts were video series that iTunes posted. Okay? And there was so much great, great skiing content, such as Solomon Free Ski TV, such as the Joystick movie, Hot Lunch, or something Lunch. I know it was great. I watched it so many times. But anyway... I watched. I started watching these videos on iTunes that my brother would re like download, and then I was like, "This is so cool. This is so interesting." And then I went down the YouTube hole, and then I f- figured out about like poor boys and all of that. So I just watched videos over and over all the time. And uh, after school, I kept tabs. I remembered kits. I remember watching Henrik Harlow videos when he was fourteen. Just like a lot of OGs, like Dane Tudor. I don't know, like. Uh, Sammy Carlson, just all the fits, all the music, just resonated with me. I like the rap, I like the style, I like the vibe, the energy, what they were doing with their body, the acrobatics, everything. So then I was like, how do I do this? And then, but I only had Dina stars, and I didn't have style. Like I was buying Sessions jackets and fucking Protech helmets and DC pants. Come on, like everyone's doing that when they don't have any style. They don't have any access to the free ski world. Alaska was so se- separated from everything. So, like, I would have tried to, like, order stuff online and I'd buy magazines. I would cut out skis. I would cut out ads, put on my binder. I would just be obsessed because I thought this world was so cool, but I felt so separated from it because I was in Juno. Like, no one was really doing it in front of me. Like, all my friends we were talking about and hyped up about and, like, showing each other YouTube videos and shit and, and podcasts, video podcasts. So, 
that's how I got into it. And then I started watching these people on the local hill that were mixing these like cool style grabs and switched hands, pencil, pencil spin tens. And I was like, how do you even do that? Yeah. So, yeah, that's sick. Okay. That's how I kind of got into it. I was nerding out heavy. And yeah, I was like, this style is crazy. I saw like old Lethal Descent pants, the red and white pants. It was just the style, it was the vibe. I don't know. And it was like so, so separated. Eagle Crest is known for its big mountain, its crazy terrain, but not for its parks. Yeah, dude. But I always think like it's sick to combine the two. Yeah. So, dude, more about being separated in Alaska. Mm hmm. Did it ever piss you off growing up in Alaska? How separated you were from the rest of like American culture? Yeah, for a while, like I, I thought like, oh, I'm a city boy, like I totally should go to a city, like I'll vibe. It'll be sick, cause like I'm in such a small town. I need to get out of here and see the world, because you do feel separated and you do feel like you're so small. Um, but it was like the skiing part that really like got me hooked i was like i gotta get out of here i gotta figure out how i can like keep skiing but then like obviously parents are like well where's college like what's your next step after high school like i was the youngest one so they had been through two other people that had done gone through the rings and figured it out and i was so i think madly in love with just like creativity and skiing and i like this pursuit through art and design but also this passion for skiing so it was really like a combination of like, how do I follow this path but keep both passions involved in my life to keep me happy? Dude, that's really wholesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's so important. <laughs> yeah. It's so important to involve what makes you truly happy as a constant in your life, if not uh, involved in your career, which is the ultimate dream, but not everyone can like succeed at that, especially in free skiing. Yeah, dude. We'll keep chugging along on your story. I already picked your brain about Alaska, but maybe we'll we'll circle back at the end for some random Alaska questions. We can. We, if I like think of if you want to hear some like crazy Alaska fact, I'll spit some off. You know. Yeah. Everyone loves talking about Alaska. I, you know, it's a it's a common subject whenever I meet someone. For sure, it's a crazy place. Uh, but yeah, like definitely gets gets to be like, oh yeah, I'm from there. It's crazy. There's some crazy light, crazy terrain, for sure. But I think, like, um, I wasn't obsessed with that terrain and, like, that environment as much as some other people. And so I wanted to, like, really tap into park skiing and competing, like, pushing myself. And I think, uh, like, I had a few options, like Utah, Oregon, blah, 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 Colorado, East Coast. Where do I go? I want a school of skiing. Yeah. So talk about that, man. Yeah. So, so end of high school, you're like, okay, I'm definitely not staying in Alaska. So tell us about that process of you picking a school. Tell us. Tell the world. Yeah, dude. Tell the world. Tell these kids. Tell these moms and dads. I don't even know who I'm talking to tell right Dom, now. Tell Dom. He's sitting right here. Yeah, we got Dom Pucciarelli in the house right now. Oh, Mission. <laughs> one audience member right now. All right, yeah. Also, everyone, we're at Mount Hood right now in uh, Ryan Barrick's RV parked at Lolo Pass, and we are in the cut right now. Super in the cut. Yeah, we got a fire outside. We got a fire on the screen inside the RV. We got Dom Pucciarelli just sitting right across from me right now. <laughs> He's sipping bush. I'm sipping cores. 
And we got uh, Ethan over here with the arsenic hoodie. He's got a little white hat on. He's smiling. He's glistening. You know, he's socializing. This man knows how to socialize. He made a whole little side career out of it, everyone. So, uh, anyway, back to, the, back to the program. Back to you deciding. And Ryan just walked in after, after uh, Barkley's little rant. So tell the people about about leaving leaving the Great White North oh, and going down yeah, south, yeah. as you Alaska okay, say. Yeah, so I left left Alaska, went down south, and uh, decided to go to Western State Colorado University, which was the name at the time. It's now called Western Colorado University. Uh, so I really w was drawn to the park. Like I would watch videos real quick to see what the park scene was like. Uh, t saw Dave Sugnet Sugnet. That's close enough. Uh, Satchmobile, Dave, he's from Purgatory. Shout out, Dave. He um, was like one of the first Steezy skiers I saw at Crested Butte, for sure. Um, so I was like, okay, park. I'll, I'll check it out. So I joined, went to the school. Whoa, 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 before you go to the school. Like, what what else were you looking at? I was looking at uh, schools at Tahoe, Westminster. Yeah. I was looking at U of U. And I was thinking about like University of Oregon, yeah. places like that. Boulder, I thought about Boulder. That's a trek from the mountains, everyone. Uh, by the way, if you go to Boulder, that's like two and a half, three hour drive, everyone. So buckle up if you're doing that. Um, <laughs> that shit sucks. I lived in Gunnison. That's a three hour drive. All right, shout out Gunny. That's a blink. If you if you blink, you're gonna fucking drive through it. All right. So uh, slow down and enjoy Gunny because it's actually sick. Were you were you looking at a specific major at the schools, or were you just I didn't looking have for a specific skiing? major? It was actually more more so focused on like free skiing, like like falling down my skiing path. Yeah. But then luckily, like Western had a free freestyle team, so I joined the freestyle team, met all these like cool kids from all over the country, and I was like, okay, he's like, he's got this vibe, he's got this vibe. We have all these different like different people from all over the place. Like Lane Quinn, shout out Lane Quinn. He was from South Dakota. He came down. We had Dom Pucciarelli. He was our coach. He had already been on the team at the time, but he eventually moved into the position of coaching us. But I was like stoked because we had this. It was like a a structured set of fucking kids that were fucking dedicated to doing it. We had a coach, okay? So we had places to stay and places to travel, and we were in a comp circuit. Yes, it was USASA. Yes, everyone goes through those fucking loops, but I had never been in that world before. I had done one slope-style comp in Alaska. It's called the Great Alaska Open. I got first place. I was stoked. I won the comp. I was like, all right, I have something that feels like I can chase like I feel like I'm sort of good at this and like we had rail jams we had all that but then like Western really pushed my like competition mindset or my ability or my motivation of what I wanted to do see how that scene was I had never been in that scene so like being in Colorado competing felt like a dream to me and then like seeing Breck Park seeing Keystone Parks I had watched videos my whole childhood watching these places so it felt like a dream to me yeah so then, like, the comp scene went good, okay? We were doing, like, slopestyle events. We did some national events. Slopestyle was really cool. It felt like I could challenge, like, rails and jumps together, but we didn't really have any of that. So I just had to, like, push myself a lot to, to drive up to Summit County all the time to, to do park because Crested Butte was waning. Yeah. Wait. Waning on the park scene. Yeah. They, they like, started going downhill. Dom can attest to this. So it was us having to leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then slope style went good. I got first place at one slope style comp at USASA, a few seconds, few thirds, few fourths, whatever. 
was really good. And then uh, graduated college, left college. I was like, all right. Whoa, 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 slow down, buddy. Slow down. <laughs> slow down. <laughs> kid, kid just blasted through four years like it was a freaking <laughs> like it was a pit stop on the highway. No, who were, the four years you, was great, dude. Who I were you competing so against? Who we were you competing, competing against? against Kieran and Fagan, the Fagan brothers. I remember competing against those. I remember competing against uh, all the CU Boulder guys, all the Tahoe guys, East Coasters that would come out for nationals. Yeah. Like I would do well in finals. Like I did okay, like a, like a Misty Ten and like Corksev switch switch stuff, like 450 on stuff like that. No no dubs at that time nothing crazy but i was still like so proud of myself because no one in juno had been on that path before and it felt good to be one of the only few skiers that people can like reference or look back and talk about or know that that exists that you can like fall down a park or freestyle or in a career if you grow up in juno alaska which is so separate from anything did you have were did, like is there any hometown heroes from Juno? Or yeah. Is... Well, yeah. There's there's hometown heroes, but like no one crazy like uh, Mark. Um... Abma. No, that's Mark Amba is not from Juno, but Mike Landvik I think is his name. Landvik is sick. Mark Rainier is a sick snowboarder. He's from, he's with Shred Bots. He's done some great stuff. He's he's done like super sick Alaska spines. But then there's the two skiers, Will Geiger, Jesse West. They never like did crazy competition stuff, but they were the two local heroes on my hill, and they like got me stoked on freestyle skiing. Anyway, back to college. Back to college. College was sick. Figured out what I was like kind of down with: creativity, design, art, skiing, ski top sheets, ski outerwear. Everything that like was like really involved in my passion was like got me triggered so i'm like how can i incorporate that into my life okay design graphics illustration am i good at art can i draw can i do this can i could you yes <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i definitely fine-tuned it really well and like put out a crazy sick uh bachelor of arts senior exhibition show and like i had clothing designs i had coats i had beanie designs i had designed ski top sheets i had 2d art and 3d art so i had a whole display of clothing skis stickers and uh, 2D art that I had all done myself and like worked really hard for and all hand drawn everything and processed the computer and printed out and put on skis and printed on clothing myself and really thought about this whole process like what I wanted to do with like this creative illustration like graffiti and street art and cultures and movies and all this was like intertwined in all this blah 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 if you want to like talk about my clothing and all that that like path that's separate though like skiing is a whole another path but i think to intertwine the two is like the ultimate goal like it would be sick to be a designer creative director of a ski industry based company outdoor company yes but free skiing would be sick yeah period okay um he's just a naturally great guest i love this um so when you were, did you guys film at all? You strike me as like a, a huge park yeah. edit guy. Like you just for sure. We, yeah. we like all of us would get together. We would hike up at the end of the day, like uh, in the middle of the day, we'd go to the park, hike, build a feature. But what was funny, like at Eagle Crest, growing up at Eagle Crest, the ski patrol would rip down our jumps. Okay, they fucking hated ski jumps. All right. So me, Liam, Liam Crossett, Will Pollard, fucking all those guys that I skied with at my home resort, shout out Chief Pollard, shout out Liam Crossett, shout out Julian Minnie also. We build jumps, side hit natural jumps, okay, all over the mountain. So that was the way we practiced our flips and our spins. We didn't have a park for some years. Some years we had a shitty park. Some years we had a tubing park. So it was really interesting. That's the only way we got our like air awareness unless we went to Wendell's or Momentum because there was nothing else that the, the mountain would give us. 
This is Crested Butte you're talking about? No, no, no. no. This no. is back at Alaska. That's oh, okay. how we learned how to try flips and spins. Oh, and you're saying you could only go, go to Go out to yeah, the backside yeah. of the island and build a jump or go on the side of a resort and build a side hit and try some shit. And, that's, and we would film ourselves when we put out edits on YouTube. And we'd hype each other up, putting fucking terrible rapping and then i started figuring out the, the the camera scene the filming scene the webisode series i love webisodes traveling circus all those guys the joystick crew the fucking surface crew all those guys were doing really sick stuff the solomon freeski tv i already mentioned that already so then i started filming and editing while we were skiing and making edits so we made a bunch of edits we made I, then I then I found out about Vimeo, dude. Vimeo is a whole another like little visual pit of like six free skiing in there. Like you know, if you fucking kids want to find some core ass videos, go on Vimeo and you'll find some great shit. Follow Junction One Three Three, okay? Great account. They've got some great stuff on there. Also, Stepped is still on Vimeo. Also, Four by Nine is still on Vimeo. They have all their old videos. If you want to see some great jewels free skiing, go on Vimeo. New schoolers is hard to find certain shit on search engines. Yeah. You can't find certain videos on New Schoolers. It's tough. Anyway. So you're so, so you're filming from day one. We're filming from day one, making edits, put it on Vimeo, put it on YouTube, whatever. We didn't really know about New Schoolers. We were hot enough to put shit on fucking New Schoolers. So but then but then I get introduced to Colorado, all these big dogs, park dogs. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the scene. How do I So I'm like, alright, buy a camera, like ask the homies to film around. So then I just try to put out season edits every year. Including mom can shots at Schweitzer in Idaho. So every year in spring break, growing up, I would go to Schweitzer with my mom. And she would film me and I would make park edits, season edits from those videos of her filming me in that park. And it fucking got me hyped, dude. I would put Juicy J on that shit. I was like some hard rap with me wearing cutoff tees. I spray painted Skull Candy logos on my t-shirts because I thought it was hard. The style back then is so much different. I had... The Saga Pants, Ryan, Ryan Barrick knows about Saga Pants very well. Everyone, if you got some pink snow pants, send them over to Ryan Barrick, all right? He's also got some specific um, requests for some Saga Pants also, y'all. So uh, hit him, you know, pop in those DMs and uh, ask him some questions about some Saga Nami's pants. Anyway, <clears throat> where was I? You're filming in Colorado. Filming in Colorado, making these season edits. Season edits were huge because it showed your progress. It showed you how good you were or what you got to do in the season. And I always made sure to watch the homies season edit. You know, that's how you know what their progress was like. And then season edits would turn into sponsorships. Season edits would turn into recognition. And, like, that's how I, like, figured out... How you, how can you get recognized in the free skiing world without being a comp jock throwing triple right both left pre, left and right way pre Instagram, pre Instagram also like Instagram wasn't a part of the thing like I would always just hop online if I wanted to get inspired or learn something or new learn about someone, and I think like it's so important to like realize it's so it's so uh, feels good to be recognized and known for your talent and your worth not through just a comp medal or a comp. A podium you know there's so many different avenues that people can respect and know you for and those are really great roads to go down i think <laughs> uh, <laughs> these guys are getting rained out dude i feel bad we got what some, do we need to do we got some campsite problems but Barkley, to... the only thing that matters is what's in here buddy okay we'll bring it up let's bring it all back together can you can you pull me back in where we were? Yeah, dude, you're filming, and the only way to get recognized is to post a season edit. No Instagram anymore. 
No Instagram, dude. No nothing. And I remember those days. I remember those days of people at the mound. Sponsor me tape. You ever make a sponsor me tape? Yeah, I did one for the Liberty contest and got into like the special mention. They picked one guy, and then apparently I was the guy before him. It's always the guy before. Like, you ever submit to Super Unknown? Yeah. How'd yeah, you doing that? For sure. I did that two years ago, not last year, because I felt unmotivated. Like it, skiing was just going at a super speed, and we'll get to that. Yeah, for sure. We'll get to um, that. No, it was more so. Then I realized, like, okay, season edits are cool, but what's really cool is just like showing parts of your season, and, like the really like B footy and interacting with people, and just to show like your true style and not like all your banger clips. I think it's really important to show like. In between all that hard work, or in between all those banger clips, and and to show people like it's it takes work, and there's friends involved, and there's great times involved, and there's building involved, and and uh, there's so many different aspects like urban. If you want to go down that route, and park shoots, and all we really had was like park, and it wasn't really that urban focused in Gunnison, like uh, Dom and like Parker Clarkson and like Shay. And Marty and all those boys, they were like really sick and they were hungry. So that inspired me to like, okay, there's different avenues and I could put out like some street stuff and I could put out videos in the middle of the season. Like they were nothing crazy, but I thought it was just important to like document visually what you're doing and to keep people like aware that you're still like working hard and grinding and still love skiing so much and like also you just like don't care what other people are doing in their lane like if you're just focused in your lane and you're putting out content that you're kind of proud of or you think other people might be stoked on that's all that matters if you can just be consistent so i think it it just it boiled down to like just being consistent with making sure people were down with filming and making content and definitely i was like selfish i was like i wanted to get content I want just like a season edit, I want this to be me, but then slowly worked into like working friends in and working other homies in and just having ski crews and showing your other friends talent because you're so hyped on that, like come on, when your friend get lands a trick, you're gassed up on that, you want people to see that shit, so you should throw your homies in the edit, you should throw the other banger tricks in the edit and that's, that started creating more good creativity and then Instagram came up and I just think a lot of skiing gets lost in that feed and it's easy to forget about it. it's easy to for uh, easy to just that that skiing to get diluted and the creativity to get diluted so I found importance in putting stuff online putting stuff on the web putting stuff on a platform that doesn't get dissolved and diluted uh, and forgotten about because I think it's so important to to keep those structures of good ski content to keep people hyped. Like, yo, do you know about this guy from my home hill? No, I don't. Oh, well, let me just show you this video on YouTube real quick of this guy. Instead of fucking scrolling through Instagram and finding a three-second clip, like, you don't get a full feel of that guy's talent and ability and, and creativity. Like, throw up an edit, throw up a gang video, throw up something that will last and has some weight. Dude, that's great. That's great. Um, Damn, it's really raining out here. Where'd everyone go, though? Yeah, it's it's raining at the campsite right now. I hope the audio's not picking it up. <laughs> but <laughs> all right, Big Mark, we're gonna keep you on track. 
<laughs> dude, I don't even know. What am I even saying? I'm well, just dude, talking. You wanted to you wanted to talk about being graduated from college like ten minutes ago. Here's your chance. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. What, what was your exit from college like? What did you have lined up? Exit from college was cool. Um, majored in graphic design, and then. Uh, Applied to about like 60 jobs. I applied to three places per day or per week, three, three to four places per week. Even after I graduated, even after I moved to Denver, still didn't get hired by anyone, which was really discouraging and hard. Uh, but then I had a friend reach out, and they were like, "I have a spot open at Warren Miller Entertainment," and I was like, "Okay, that's kind of cool. I know about Warren Miller. I grew up watching. Holy shit!" What the fuck happened, dude? Stay on, stay on topic. So, yeah, I got hired as an independent promotions coordinator, which was involving their tour and their annual tours on their movies. Uh, and like in between that job position, I got to do like graphic design work for them. I got to meet the athletes and go backstage and hang out in the green room and and uh, go in the vault and see all the old footage that's been filmed and, and uh, saved for 60 to 70 plus years, which is really kind of special to see the start and growth of free skiing. Or, sorry, not free skiing. Just skiing and uh, documenting skiing and learning how he did it. And that was really cool. How he started it and how he started picking up money and making all that money. So, yeah, I, I did um, Warren Miller for about a year or so for a full season and that was really cool it gave me great exposure to how the film production world works in skiing not even film production world just in skiing how they make money and how they make money off sponsorships as well and how you have to include content from sponsors from Volkswagen from Helly Hansen from Mount Gay Whiskey these are so important into making like a film profitable which is really cool to see the the curtains drawn, the curtains pulled away, and to see what brings in money in skiing. Unfortunately, folks, it's not posting Instagram clips. <laughs> it's having big sponsors. Well, I'm gonna. So, a big criticism of Warren Miller is that the film tour, quote unquote, yeah, is just one big like commercial. It's like yeah. okay, you go to the film tour, and what is it? Oh, every resort in your home state is just there, you know, giving out lift coupons. Yeah. And like the whole thing is just one big billboard. So what's the balance? You know, I don't know if Warren Miller has a balance. I think Warren Miller, like what I noticed is they were buying footage from Phil Casabon, the real ski. Oh, that's yeah, it's kind of, and real skiffy, skiffy, skiffy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, skiffy, I think. So I actually saw that was also an interesting side. They were buying footage from all these park skiers and crews to put in their movie. And they weren't even filming with them, which was really interesting to find out. Like, okay, so you guys are just buying footage from people and putting them in. Carl. But then sometimes they hire and pull athletes on because Helly Hansen's like, hey, I have this athlete. Or Vocal is like, hey, I have Tanner Rainville. Tanner Rainville is sick. He has level one roots. He's got some really sick shit. So they brought him on a recent shoot. Anyway. It's interesting because yes, those those movies are like turning into huge like corporation profitable ads for those brands, um, and like they're definitely losing those free skiing sparks, and uh, their ownership has changed a lot. Like they were, they've tossed around with a lot of ownership. Uh, when they were when I was working for them, they were an active interest media, 
which is, you know, just some... Random. Yeah, and then now they're owned by Outside Magazine. Outside. Yeah. Um, so they have a tight grip, or interesting grip, I should say, because now they're not making... I've heard, this may be false, but I heard that they're not making, like, a new movie with new footage. They're using all of the footage for the first time. But what was most interesting about this all is because I worked at Warren Miller, and then right after Warren Miller... I went and worked for level one, which was really interesting because I didn't know that there was this whole feud and, and, uh, kind of ongoing talk and discussion about what had happened with the level one movie and Warren using his voice for the level one movie. And then Warren's brothers who, which had owned it at the time sued level one for it. Yeah. Anyway, interesting relationship. They saw that on my resume and were like, oh, so, like, what do you think of them, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I'm I'm a park skier. Like, I love park skiing. Like, it was interesting being over there. I was with a bunch of all-mountain black diamond dads. But, like, um, now I'm kind of with my people. It's sick. Like, I love to see what you guys are doing. I've been watching you way more or focusing way more on you, level one. So, Who interviewed you at level one? Stefan. Stefan uh, was like the like editor, office guy, production manager. So Josh, I, I still talk with Josh and talk with him a little bit. And he, great, Josh is a great guy and super accomplished. And it's cool to see the studio and their shop. I did the warehouse stuff. I helped them out a little bit with their super unknown stuff, like their athletes coming in and getting um, all the swag bags for the athletes. It was cool to see some behind the scenes footage see all the gear what was your job title uh office manager oh, yeah yeah or warehouse manager maybe office warehouse manager yeah. so i got some got some good gear shout out josh berman for letting me grab a few pieces <laughs> from him and i got to meet so many cool skiers i got to like eat lunch with Wiley Miller who I looked up to all my life and got Will Wesson's number randomly and that was a crazy thing for me so I was hanging out with people I knew about for so long and looked up to so that was like a breakthrough moment I was like holy shit I'm meeting all these people in the industry that are creating good relationships which is important the industry is so small so if you're a dick everyone will remember you yeah dude how long did you last there for? I don't know, like seven or six or seven months, yeah. and then I moved on to Zeal. So what? What prompted you to leave? Because six or seven months is—it's not super long. Uh, no, it wasn't at all. I I had uh, applied for Zeal, but I also got let go from level one because I was slacking off too much. Whoa, dude, he got Ooh. fired. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is I, <laughs> I talked to Josh and I was like, dude, what's going on? Like, if you're not happy with how I'm working, like, I can change this or I'll stop looking on new schoolers and watching ski videos. Which is really funny because they saw my search history and saw that I was looking up ski videos during, I was, while I was on the clock. Uh, and they're like, well, you're not like working during this time. You're just fucking around. And I was just on the warehouse computer, like watching ski videos. I might've like hopped on Craigslist once or twice. 
But then they looked at the search history and they're like, oh, this guy's like putting in so much hours, but he's not like. He ain't working that hard. Well, he could clock out a few hours earlier, I think. So it was. <laughs> it was an interesting relationship. But, like, I obviously, like, it was all good love, and I saw Josh at the romance premiere and hugged him. And well, it doesn't seem like you want to be a warehouse manager forever, anyways. For sure. And I was hyped to be a part of the ski industry and get into that little niche. But definitely, like, they knew I had applied to Zeal, and they had knew that I was working to on being a designer or whatever and so then I got hired by Zeal and, and then by that time I got hired level one was like alright word you got like the Zeal thing like see like you later that's a better fit for you yeah see you buddy yeah yeah kick rocks kid yeah exactly <laughs> probably applied for it on the all, on the warehouse computer <laughs> yeah all love to Connor and Josh and Stefan dude Steven Stephen, so what would you get hired on as Zeal to do uh, their designer and then I was their designer in-house designer and then they like started to like talk to him about my skiing and be like yo I got this like sponsor tape I got these like clips like you guys down with this I know all these people and then they started like including me on like shoots with like Cody Cirillo um, and like getting more involved with marketing and ski content I got to design a whole series of straps which is really I was really hyped on I got to design a whole series of like seasonal straps so like a rock an ice a water um it's, it was like the elemental series so i was like hyped to create a product with it with a ski company in the industry i was like damn i'm i'm in this like i'm starting to meet people and people are starting to know who i am and i got to go to the outdoor retailer which is the evolved sia I got to like show off my work. I got to do a live like painting exhibit, um, and which was auctioned off for the National Forest Foundation at the end of the three days. So it was a two-day live painting that I had done. Um, so it was like Chris Benscheller is a huge idol of mine because he intertwines his like creativeness and passion, like artistic ability, in with his free skiing ability, and is recognized for that. Same with Eric Pollard. Yeah. Like, those were two very big idols that I can see as a total realistic path that you can succeed to intertwine the two, which I look up to a lot. But Zeal was like an introduction to that, to be in the industry, work for it, and still be skiing. And then uh, COVID happened. Well, before COVID, it seems like like the designing stuff is what you wanted to do forever. So designing was the back burner. Like if skiing fall through, I have this career and creativity and, and talent that I could tap into more. If if free ski like fell apart, yeah. if if I got broke off and hurt and, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So once you started doing it, was it better, worse? Exactly how you thought it'd be. Like what did you think when you were actually doing the? It was the just interesting work? to see like how designs run through the marketing scheme and what really sells to the parent company so we can talk about that process a little like bit because yeah. i don't know anything about that or what sells to the president or like what sells to the marketing board so i would have i would create like 50 to 75 designs of different straps and different bags and products and i would lay it up all on this big wall this big whiteboard and the creative director the marketing manager and the president 
would all come in and they would pick things that they liked and star things or mark certain things and it would be all whittled away. So it's just interesting to see like what sells. Well, how'd you feel about that when like something that you're working on? That's just part of design. You have to let go of uh, your attachment. Take, yeah, take your emotions away from it. Take your emotions away from it. That's professional. It's smart. And you're just going to be caught up in your... Um, and taking it personal when someone's like, yeah, that's not going to sell well. It's not going to sell well or just something they don't like. If they can just say, I don't, I like this and not that. You just say, okay, like, let's focus on that then. So it was a cool business design window to see how it all worked. And then, um, yeah, I got to do a lot with them. Really stoked to have a great relationship with all of them. Um, then they got bought by a company that owns, um, they got bought out by the same company that owns um, Balenciaga. Whoa. Yeah, huge fashion house design, huge company. I, I can't remember the name right now, but you'll have to research it and say it in this podcast and edit it in there. <laughs> I won't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, left, COVID happened. COVID happened. Wait, you left the company or COVID um, happened first? COVID happened. They put us on furlough. Yeah. And then... That was it. That was it. And I'm going to go pee. All right. We, we're we back. Barkley. Back. Had Fucking to, take this. Barkley had to step outside to go pee. The entire campsite is being moved under a tarp. Fuck, dude. Is our stuff being rained on? Mine's not. No, like our kitchen's... kitchen's no, no. It's, no all, it's all tarped up. It's all tarped up. Tarped up. Listen, buddy. <laughs> let's get back on track. I love this all right. Kid. Where were we? COVID. You, you got furloughed. I got furloughed, so I was like, fuck. Get paid hang out at home hang out in golden i had moved to golden at that point i was still in uh the greater denver area so i was mind you i was driving up i-70 every weekend every chance i had i was going from downtown rhino capitol hill that area up to summit county to ski which was fucked up people thought i lived in summit county zach ryan was like wait what you live in denver i thought you lived in in summit county because i've been skiing with you so much this year and I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah. Anyway, so then I was like, all right, job, jobs, career. What am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? What's what's gonna happen? I'm gonna move. I'm gonna stay. Sorry, I'm playing with my keys. Making noise. I'm making noise out here. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What's a guy gonna do when a fucking virus, huh? <laughs> So I started applying to jobs. Through those jobs, <laughs> I was able to find Snowbond, <clears throat> which is an indoor skiing and snowboarding facility in Centennial, Denver, Colorado. And guess what, folks? There's no snow involved. It's all turf so these there's three ski slopes inside let me just give you a little backstory on snowbond all right everyone Absolutely. all right ethan schaefer um crack one there's three slopes turf it's revolving you can change the steepness you can change the speed of the slope to make you feel like you're skiing faster it's pretty much like a huge 40 foot by 40 foot ski treadmill okay I had to learn how to teach people how to ski on those. I um, there was also like thank you. There was also um, a ramp, a Snowflex ramp into an airbag. Okay, there was some super tramps. There was a mini ramp. 
and then there was these three slopes you could ski on, okay? Snowbond. Alright, so I was like, okay, this is crazy. I'll apply to this, see what's going down. Applied to be uh, a ski freestyle instructor. I was like, that's pretty sick, I'll be a ski instructor. Ended up teaching kids that were three years old to 70 years old. And then I started getting to more like focused on the freestyle coaching. That was like a little hiatus. I was sad. I was in Denver. I was like, I want to need to be up there. I want to be competing. I want to be going in. But I'm down in Denver teaching people how to backflip and cork sev or backflip off a ski jump and blah, blah, blah. Pizza, french fry, you know the deal. And then I uh, got this opportunity to move into a room in Breck. Boom. Took the opportunity. Said, all right, I'm moving to Breck. I need to do this. I'm young. I need to take advantage of where I am because I only have so many years to really push my body and push this scheme. So um, what I did was told Snowbun I was going to leave, left Snowbun, and they decided to give me a raise, which was cool to be their designer remotely in Breckenridge. So I got to live in Breck, and they gave me more money to live in Breck remotely doing their marketing, which consisted of video, photo, logos, clothing design, uh, online design, um, new new illustrations, signs, whatever, whatever you need. Um, so then they gave me one more raise, worked for a little bit, uh, for about a year, this year, actually. So I was living in Breck doing remote design work, and then I would go do like deliver pizzas during the night at Windy City in Breckenridge, and that would give me my money to ski, so I could ski all day, do some creativity, which really tapped into my career, and really ski in like film park, lap, hit copper, hit Breck, while I was living in Breck, and it was the dream, because I had always looked up to living in Breckenridge, I had always watched the videos all day, all night of Breckenridge, Breck parks, it was crazy. So we, by that time I had moved to Breck, so Freeway was gone. Pretty sad, yes, but still happy that I was in Summit and I noticed just like there was people that were jaded that had lived in Summit County for so long, but really I was so fucking stoked. I was like, do you realize where you live? Like people all over the world want to live here and be you're like sad, like everyone sucks here. I need to get out of here. It's just blah, 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 this, that, tahuda, boo, boo, boo. And uh, so then we decided, or I, me, everyone, Barkley and I, <laughs> like decided, this is sick. Okay, we need to ski, we need to film, we need to create some stuff. So, like, Pilgrimage started, went to Hood, went to Mammoth, Pilgrimage Part 1 started, then second year, last year, Pilgrimage Part 2. I really wanted to make a video, I wanted to make a visual remembrance of what we had done and the shots we had gotten, the crew I was with. You need to do that, and to this day, that's like, talked about with my ski group, like with Ian Osby, David Mackins, Caden Snyder, Caroline Cluzel, all those boys, like, uh, they just like went in and it was great. It was felt good I was getting a crew in Colorado living in Breck and that felt really good to be like solidified in a free skiing scene It was with people that were really good at it. Okay, that like pushed me Ian's really good example Caden is a great example like all these people Sizzla Lucas um, all these people and then just to be around meeting all these like Will Berman and like Sean Jordan and all these kids I looked up to and they were starting like people were starting to remember me and I was like no way you know who I am so I was having this fanboy moment as I'm like 24 25 being in Summit County which was amazing so that just like re-sparked my energy to like go even harder like push my content more or like ski with these people more like surround yourself with people that like push you to ski harder like that's so important I realized yeah, and you're still filming. You're filming part yeah. three right now. Yeah, and like I just like hate would be hate to feel old and like losing my tricks or like not progressing every season. Like f finding a new trick, being stoked, like being around people that will make you a better skier. 
because like it's easy to get stuck in that comfort zone, comfort zone, which is so easy to be in that comfort zone. But it's really about who you surround yourself with when you ski, that can really push you to a good level of consistent progression. Is that why you like riding with uh, Coach Dom out here? Yeah, Co- Coach Dom is great. He like he knows I always got it in me, but I just gotta tap into it. But brings the best out uh, of you. Brings the best out of everyone. Great vibes will never be. Uh, a negative guy on hill when you're lapping with him but he's always been there since the start since western that's my dog from bailey about to get married he's on the icelandic team but he's still getting married he's still got a house and he's still selling land so he's cashing out and still cashing in clips every week (laughs) so shout out to that man <laughs> dude, that was that was smooth. Dude. I love it. Like you got the thing pre-written. That was, uh, yeah, so did that pretty much bring us up to today. Like, no, it was just like uh, a realization that like people need to like really focus on the time that you have now to really physically push your body and your skiing with the people that you're with because you you know nothing good lasts forever. You just gotta like hold on to these great moments skiing, and it really like creates a feeling that you want to keep chasing like for me i'm just like so in love in with skiing it's like hard for me to back out and like think of a way out of this so like i really want to incorporate skiing for the rest of my life because i know how much it fulfills me i know how uh good i can feel from it i know like the community that really comes from it and that's like powerful like uh contagious is the better word yeah do you still compete at all yeah, like I've been uh, actually, yeah, what's been really good the past uh, two to three years, I started being really curious about the free ride big mountain competition scene. And I knew like I had somewhat uh, roots in me of like free ride backcountry, all mountain type terrain. And I always thought it was sick to combine park and free ride. Like, shout out to Dane Tudor, Sammy C. Shout out to Kai Peterson, like all those guys really got me stoked on like what people could do on the backcountry with park roots, which is so sick. But then like to put that in a competition scene where you have one run, no qualifying, no uh, terrain um, enhancement, it's sick. So then I started doing free ride world tour qualifier events. So now I've been doing uh, two, three star, one stars, whatever, like trying to climb that ladder of really like seeing what I can do on that scene. But what's crazy, it's just like so fucking humbling. And it's so scary, like I swear, hitting like a one run with cliffs, totally blind, going fast as fuck is way scarier than trying to trick in the park. And it like humbles you, it puts you in your place, and it makes you feel like a little hungrier to like follow that path of free skiing that you know is available. But as a park rat, it's, like, kind of rare. Like, you see, like, all these guys are there in these free ride comps are so focused on free riding. They just, like, are so down with it. And they've been in the mountains hiking, skinning, hitting cliffs, hitting rock, hitting tight shoots. So they have this technical ability. And then I come in from the park hitting a street spot, hitting a park jump. And then I'm, like, I have to shift my ability and shift my versatility. Like, really focus on, like, I am a versatile skier. It's, like, so important to be good in so many different areas in my eyes. So I'm trying to increase that area of my skiing. To compete in free ride, to have street clips, and to be a park skier. All intertwined to be the best skier possible. So now I'm trying to take these free ride comps and see if I could throw Cork Sev lead tail. You see if I could throw Misty Sev off a lip 
obviously these courses don't build the way I want my mind to them to be so it's really hard and I'm having to change my ability and how I turn and how I ski and it's making me focus on other parts of like what makes me scared which makes me happy which gives me that adrenaline so like freeride world like qualifier events are crazy man so I've been doing that like three or four times this year which has been good and uh, getting closer and closer to the podium but my goal is to like get on the podium with a nice cork or flip um but it's dope just I it hypes me up and I'm shaking I got adrenaline so I know that's good for me yeah dude that's a beautiful natural ending like the looking forward let's do um quick round of uh, how weird is Alaska (laughs) you guys want to do that What's what's the weirdest thing yeah. that you guys eat up there? <laughs> oh God, dude! I, I don't know. Honestly, you, you told me one earlier. You told I me one know, earlier. But I, if I say this, then people will be like, believe it. And I want to be really true and factual when I say this. I don't know exactly what they use it for. I thought they ate it, but maybe they use it for decoration. What is it? I don't know. Whale blubber. Whale blubber. Have you ever eaten it yourself? I've never eaten whale blubber. Let me just clarify that. But uh, I've eaten fish eyes. Fish I've teeth. eaten fish teeth. Um, fish eggs. Yeah, fish skin. Yeah. Every part of the fish, pretty much. A lot of parts of the fish. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm trying to think of. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like my dad got stranded on an island and had to get rescued by sea dogs and almost died. And. Uh, I slept, slept in the snow cave for three days. Willingly or for an emergency? Uh, willingly, actually. Yeah. Um, went on like a canoe trip down the Yukon for two and a half weeks without civilization. What's that was the, crazy. Uh, um, watched the Northern Lights. Like Hung out on um, helicopters going up to ice fields to go dog sledding. Um, and then did guided tours via helicopter. Um, did a few heli skiing trips on some islands out in the Juneau area and got to do some cat skiing out in Haynes, which was the deepest snow of my life. He had to take a breath per turn to make sure he didn't suffocate. What's the, uh, what's the situation with wildlife? Cause I'll give you an example. So kids that grew up, kids this. that grew up in Florida, their parents teach them, Hey, if there's a body of water, there's an alligator in there. Doesn't matter if you can see it. If there's a body of water, no a gator lives in there. No way. So what's the deal up there with the polar bears and crazy. wildlife? Polar bears are crazy. They will hop onto your boat and try to eat you. Like they're ravenous and they consume the environment and they're in because of the uh, habitat they're forced to be in. Their food supply has gone down tremendously. But what's crazy is you'll see the whale interaction, orca interaction, seal interaction with humans. Um, which has gotten really interesting. One time we caught a little fish hook on a whale one time. Okay. This is crazy. Let me just rewind <laughs> real quick, real quick, real quick. <laughs> we were on a boat and we were fishing, caught the hook on a whale. Whale snapped the lure. Okay. Caught it. Boom. Saw it on the fish scanner. It what didn't it, look what like. What did it look like on the fish scanner? It looked like the size of a little, uh. You know, like the stick pretzel kind of kind of deal. Pretzel stick. Whatever on earth that means. <laughs> but, okay, the whale caught the fish lure. Whale broke the lure. Or 
whale caught the fish hook, broke the lure. On to the next one. All right, let's head back home, back to the dock. Heading out, hit a wave from another boat. We hit this wave diagonally. This wave throws the boat s sideways against us moving forward. Momentum obviously hits us as soon as we hit the water and our whole engine rips off the back of our boat. Our engine starts floating down to the bottom of the ocean. Me and my sister and my dad look back after we are holding on. My sister almost gets flown out of this Boston whaler. Open skiff, by the way. She almost gets flown out. I'm holding on. My dad's just like there being a dad. And then once we land, engine's off the boat. And then all we see are little bubbles. Engine's floating off down in the depths. But stops. So it's connected by all these electrical cords to the hull of the boat, like the electrical system of the boat. So it is hanging below our boat about 12 feet into the ocean. Can't pull it up. 500 pounds, 600 pounds, not gonna happen. We are on the middle of nowhere in Alaska. So what do we do? I don't know, we have this little dinghy. We got this little six horsepower or six, um, six or seven, what are the what are the I units? The, I the no, the power of a boat motor. Yeah, it has a number on the back. Yeah, number on the horsepower. I think it's just horsepower. Dude. Yes, seven to nine horsepower. So <laughs> troller, troller still connected to the boat. Main engine gone, floating underwater. So we're like, all right, let's try to turn this on. Barely goes about three three horsepower. So then we have to get a little paddle. So we paddle for about three to four hours in the ocean finally back to shore crazy like we get the boat up on the trailer and the boat and this motor is just hanging off by all these cords like super gnarly but i mean there's plenty of other stories i could talk about um, well i got a question about based on that do you growing up did you feel like you had a, a deeper connection with the mountains or with the water because it seems like a lot of your life was based around the water being in juna that's true like i um I grew up on the beach by the ocean and could drive like 45 minutes to the ski resort, which was sick. But the thing about Alaska is it's just like huge uh, terrain and really sharp mountains that go straight into the water, pretty much. It's just like, it's just, um, I was drawn to the water through fishing and just living by it, but I think I was more drawn to the mountains and what they can give me that the water can't. Yeah. And uh, Alaska is so big and there's so many avenues to go down in terms of terrain and, and steepness and, and uh ability levels and just the spines and the Mendenhall Towers and the ice field and the ice climbing. You just see a lot of people that come in really motivated to do mountaineering or ice climbing or or touring or skiing and, and touring is just such a popular, very, very huge thing in Alaska. If you don't have a touring setup, like you're totally whack. So I come back every year in December with my park skis and my other pal skis with no touring setup and everyone just laughs and chuckles and says, oh, that Barkley's back. All right, hey, how's it going? Let's go for some boot pack hikes along the ridge. But yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, it's great because 
it's unique in the way that you can ski a really gnarly great line on good snow and still see the ocean while you're doing it all but the downside is that that ocean surrounding everything creates mashed potato snow everywhere and that humidity wet moisture can fuck your day up in terms of snow condition and weather you know we have 300 days a year of precipitation in juno so it's really hard uh to find that those clear good days and when it happens everyone comes out of their little hole and soaks in some vitamin d and goes crazy yeah not to be insensitive but i would kill myself it's really if bad I lived yeah, in a place with 360 yeah, 300 whatever days of... and uh, mental health is like a pretty serious problem and uh, pretty prevalent in Alaska because of certain environments or situations these kids are growing up in for sure That was interesting to see. Did you feel that growing up? I mean first well, you, you have two Did I feel like growing up. No, like, no, the, man, you're too I'm big. still young at heart. Yeah <laughs> Every time you ask Bar- every time you ask Barkley how old he is he just says I'm young man But you that's two, all you need to know you have two very extreme different versions of hell up there You have 24 hours of daylight pretty much and then 24 hours of darkness uh, Yeah, so one in some so, areas not every not up, all of Alaska. This is just hold up, up north. hold up hold up hold up first of all, which one is worse? Honestly, I would say like up north by Barrow like you don't want up now north. what's so, worse what's worse all day all day 24 hours of daylight or 24 hours of darkness even though it's not the exact timing, but you know, what's what's the harder season to get through? The harder season to go through is winter because you go to school in the dark, you come home in the dark, and you hang out in the dark. You wake up and you go to school in the dark and you do it all over again. So your really only light time of the day that you'll get light is lunchtime. And that's hard because vitamin D, the sun really helps your mood. You can feel that for sure when you're standing in front of the sun. It just helps you. So it's. I would say uh, if I had to choose, I would want 24 hours of daylight. Yes, it'll fuck with you. And yes, you're going to have to get some good blinds. But it's just uh, it's a constant day. It's kind of like a dream. It doesn't feel like reality, but it feels good because you can just be and see everything. During the winter, do you guys have... Do you guys take like vitamin D supplements or do you guys have special lights in your house that keep you from yeah, losing so your mind? My friends would all have these special lights in their rooms. Explain those. <laughs> these lights in these rooms would be like these square little fluorescent fucking smoky colored lights and they would turn on. <laughs> <laughs> Good blow, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Mark. Damn. Okay. So, uh, the special just lights. like square, these square, they would have these square special little smoky glass colored lights that would sit in the corner of their fucking bunk bed room. It would turn them on and it would give off the same feeling as vitamin D, as the sun, essentially. This light would give you the same, like, medicinal benefit or feeling as the sun. Uh, so these kids could get this vitamin D that they needed. Yeah. Pretty weird. Pretty wild. A lot of pale boys. Uh, a lot of weirdos. A lot of vampires. A lot of fucking chain mail wearing baggy ass fucking goth kids. Goth boys. You got the 
emos, you got the jocks, you got the footballers, you got the stoners, you got all that whole mix there. But what's crazy is everyone's doing some weird ass drugs. People are getting some weird ass shit going on. High school is not good. People are getting sucked in the wrong crowd. People are staying in Juneau. People aren't leaving Alaska, and that gets sucked in. It's 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 interesting. It's interesting to see how people change. Uh, or grow or stay the same if they leave their town or if they stay in it. Dude, very interesting. It, on the flip side, during the day, like during the daylight hours, are people developing routines to simulate a normal sunset? Like, hey, mom's cooking dinner. Hey, pull up the sunset video on YouTube. Pull up the sunset video on YouTube. <laughs> Shut the blinds. We're going to make the house dark so yeah. it doesn't feel like it's... No, you have to have good blinds during summer. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Every time I come back nowadays, I'm all... God damn, I don't know when to go to bed. Did you actually do the YouTube sunset? No. That was today. That is such a great answer to that. But did you guys do like? Did you guys shut the blinds at a certain time of night? Like, did you make the house dark? Yeah. So yeah. It's for the bedrooms, you have to have good blackouts. But for like living rooms, you're fine. Yeah. Like, it's it's cool though because you just get a vibe. If it's a great sunny hot day, like you just get to hang out outside for so long. Yeah. Like, uh, what what are summer nights like for Alaskans? It's fucked up. People just go on to islands. They party on islands. They go on these boats. They watch, hang out with whales. They go out to the end of the road. They get on kayaks. They kayak party, jump off cliffs, go boating, go jet skiing, go river boating, which they get these little slim boats with these blowhole motors. Not the actual motors, just blows air. And they can go in really shallow, shallow rivers. Go way up river in these canals, way up into the interior. And then go through the actual border of Canada. And there's no customs. It's just a little line of cut trees. And boom, you're in Canada. Because you're going up these little river canals. Okay? Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. That's, that's mental. You guys are insane up there. Yeah, last two summers ago, my whole family, me, my brother, my sister, my mom, and dad, we got we got dropped off in the middle of fucking nowhere. No one fucking around. We had two canoes. That's all we had. We got in those bitches. We started just canoeing through icebergs, up this channel, all through this ice, and boom, finally we pull up to the glacier. No one in like 100 to 500 miles. We're up the Stikine River in, in Alaska, okay? This is an entrance where natives 10,000 years ago entered through Alaska, laying down in their canoes, going under ice to see if they could get through the other side of the land to see what was on that part of the land to develop their villages and their, and their civilizations and their land and their settlement. So this is the border between Canada and Alaska. So there's so much ice 10,000 years ago. So what's really interesting, when you're going through these canals and these big areas, you'll see petroglyphs and hieroglyphs in Alaska on islands and on rock from these native tribes 10,000 years ago settling and learning and reacting with their environment and going through these crazy passages of ice and glacier. Dude, that is so sick. What the <laughs> hell? I got one for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the script on your ass right now, bro. When you guys are growing up in Alaska and you're thinking of the lower 48, what's down like... Down south. Yeah, first of all, they call it down south. But what's like the state you're looking at where you're like, yo, that's America. Like, we're not in America. We're in Alaska. Like, what, yeah, is, dude, what is the American state? I would say state? Texas. Because <laughs> we have beef with, a, with Texas. All you Texans out there, yeah. 
Alaska has beef with you. You guys, you got, you're not the biggest one. If you cut us in half, you'd still be the third biggest. Let me just say that one more time. Wow. So Texas is like, when you look at America, no, you're like, probably that's like America. Texas, Florida, Nebraska. Boom. Mix all those Nebraska. together, that's America. Oh, you're just incorporating the planes into there. Just <laughs> yeah. For fun. yeah. Nebraska, you can't get rid of the planes. Yeah. Because there's so much of it in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but, uh... It was like a... Yeah, I don't know. What do you boys want to know? <laughs> I don't know. I can talk about Alaska all day. You guys have like Alaskan oh, yeah. folk heroes that you guys love. Alaskan folk heroes, you get paid to live there. You know, that's your folk hero is money it's from oil. Is the government. Yes, Alaska's made so much money off of oil that they pay back their residents every year and they actually decide what money goes to education, what money goes to fix the homelessness, and what money goes to infrastructure, and then the rest of that money goes to the PFD, which is the Permanent Fund Dividend. That Permanent Fund Dividend goes to every resident of Alaska. So about last year, I asked a few of my friends, and it was, I don't know, it was either two to three grand in their pocket. Just in your pocket. Cha-ching. Yeah, can you imagine what you do with it? I mean, I Do you still have a... Are you still an Alaskan resident? I'm not an Alaskan resident because they are actually strict sticklers on uh, you being a resident. If you're out of there 120 days, you're off the list. So you have to prove your residency. You have to prove you staying there and being there and living there and all that good stuff. Um, But you... Let's see... Dude, I could ask. I could literally talk about Alaska all day. Yeah. I got a question for you. What's like a big, uh, what's a big Alaska thing that every local's talking about that no one else in America cares about? Like, what's an issue that gets Alaskans heated that everyone? The like, fact that extra chuffs are made in China now, and not in America. That, the fact that what are they're made where? Extra chuffs are now made in China and not in America. What, what anymore. are extra chuffs? Extra chuffs are the classic sneaker of every single Alaskan that you'll meet. <laughs> We call it the Alaskan, the Alaskan shoe uh, or sneaker. Um, so in my house, we have five people living in there, and we got about five pairs of extra tufts. Every person will have a pair of extra tufts. These brown boots, light tan rimmed, okay, very waterproof. You know, waterproof is going down a little bit since production has changed locations, but every person has a pair of extra tufts, okay. Great answer. Um, that's a, that's also, like exactly what I was looking for. I don't know. What do Alaskans talk about? They all know how to drink pretty well. I got another question for you. I got. I got a question for you. I got a question for you, Barkley. I have that same poster, right? I was there that night. All right, we're losing this. We're losing this because now Barkley's getting distracted. I have a poster of Henry Carlo saying "To Barkley," exactly as Ryan Barrett. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Same poster. Shout out Henrik. Shout out Ryan. (laughs) <laughs> I think we're gonna kill this. Should we kill it? I got one more question no, for no. you. No, no. Keep asking one. questions about Alaska. He loves it. <laughs> I don't care, dude. He, he, he loves being first. a guest. He loves being a guest. So when you're in high school, like every area of America's got like those kids that are just like, oh, I'm just gonna do, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna graduate. I'm just gonna work construction. You know, you, you got some kid working living in North Dakota. Hey. I'm just going to go work the oil fields. That's what oh, I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah. So what's the Alaskan version of that? Like, hey, I'm just kind of, you know, it's respectable, but I'm just going to phone it in and do, like, the thing that needs to get done. What's that up in Alaska? If, if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to phone it in and do this blank, I would say, like, commercial fishing or working for a mine. Working for a mine, dude. Mm-hmm. Working up north on the oil fields. 
There's a lot of really good paid work up there, but it's hard work. And then commercial fishing. And then lastly, working in mines. Yeah. There's a lot of state jobs for sure, but a lot of my friends do that sort of work. I have one friend that does uh, like fish and wildlife, which is really interesting. He researches like wolf, um, wolf interact um, like interaction with the environment or towns or how it moves around or they put up wolf cams and see how much of the population is in certain areas so there's cool there's cool interesting unique fishing game jobs available in Alaska that would be so cool but a few of my friends do like whale watching guided stuff yeah my friend good friend Robbie Janes owns his family owns a whale watching company so they have all these boats and they're all captains so captaining and just involving yourself in ocean oil mining, mining. yeah I would say three main prospects of Alaska so when <coughs> so when those guys see an artsy kid like you are they like what are you doing how are you making it what's up what's up yeah and they're like damn okay you really be out there. Do they doing respect this. it, or they're like look at Barkley I think soft they re- hands? I think they respect it just because like they saw. They also don't know I be working with these hands, lifting fucking wood, cutting wood, debarking wood, you know, yeah. installing porches out here in, in fucking Breckenridge, Colorado, with Pat Goodenough. Shout out Pat. Shout out Project Pat. All right, that man be working way too hard. Anyway. <laughs> um, we got any viewer questions? We got any viewer questions from the live audience? Ryan Barrick and Dom Pooch, Pooch what? Poocherelli? Poocherelli. Poocherelli. Any viewer questions? Any Alaskan based viewer questions? I feel like I know everything about Alaska. Yeah, I feel like I don't know what you want to know. Uh, every minute, three Olympic sized swimming pools uh, melt off of the glacier. How many times have you... Glacier water is the purest water you can ever drink. Did you know that? How many times have you illegally snuck into Canada and just done your thing? Way too many times, dude. One time, like, I broke into a little, like, bed and breakfast and it turned out to be a brothel and shit got really weird and, like, apple pie was involved. But then we had to get out of there and some, like, customs policeman was there in the building we didn't know that was involved in the brothel and he like managed it but also did customs on the side and like ran into him both times I was going through customs and sneaked through that and ran into him at the brothel be air bed and breakfast actually but turned into some weird sort of like ring that was also down to have strangers and visitors be there and like party and hang out and they had these like really great cupcakes that we we got here for thing about Barkley is he lies sometimes so I don't know what's true and what's not true that last story was not true (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna leave we're gonna leave it on that we're gonna leave it that Barkley thank you for coming on thank you so much Ethan everybody give this uh, man a follow on two planker podcast on Instagram Spotify podcast app Uh, this man does it all so Glad to be here, glad to talk with you, and glad to be in this RV in Mountain Hood, Oregon, with Dom Pucciarelli, Ryan Barrick, and Ethan Schaefer. Thanks, Thanks, big (laughs) boy.